Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This is Christine Heath coming to you from Hawaii. And Judy Sedgman coming to you from Florida. Aloha. So we're going to talk today about this stuff that people think about who they are. So we called it um, self, ego, and other illusions. <laughs> because what happens is, is that in, like in the field of psychology, we have a lot of focus on how we feel about ourselves. Like a lot of people will talk about how they're learning how to love themselves. They're, um, they have really poor self-esteem. They have self-esteem issues. They have um, lots of um, uh, problems with getting their feelings heard and being sensitive and taking things personally and uh, being reactive and being defensive. And we try to manage this in our lives. We try to handle it. And I remember for me anyway, it's like my thinking about myself because I was analyzing myself doubled, at least maybe tripled, mm -hmm. but I'm quite fascinated with myself and why I was the way I was. And it was very interesting. Like I could drive the job I had, I had to drive long distances and I'd get in the car and start driving and start analyzing my past. Like I'd go through my past. Oh yeah, I remember when this happened and, and that happened and oh, no wonder I mixed up this happened and that happened. It was like I was opening up Pandora's box and taking out everything that was in there and going like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it, it was very intellectually fascinating it was a little bit like like um uh, discovering yourself like somehow you didn't go through your life but the frame of reference that i was thinking about it in was different like i was thinking about why am i the way i am what's happened to me in my past that is the culprit here like what's the problem why do i have such poor self-esteem why am i so insecure about my abilities and why did I think I was stupid and what, you know, like blah, blah. <laughs> so as I did that, you know, I found lots of evidence as to why I did. Well, the, then, you know, it's kind of like, as I would uncover this, I thought it would like change it. Like, Oh yeah, I figured that out. Now, why do I still suffer from it? Why do I still have these moods where I'm like so hard on myself? Like I would, I would just do such, negative thinking about myself like they call it negative self-talk you know but I just like did a lot of thinking about myself and the more insecure I got the more I thought about myself which of course made it worse because what I thought about myself wasn't that great so it, it became more real and more real and more real and so of course I had self-esteem problems I had self-image problems I had you know I was concerned about what other people thought about me because what I thought about me was so bad and 
those thoughts to me, those are what we call ego. And ego is just basically what we think about ourselves, our life, and our world. And that's what a lot of people think ego is like, you know, I'm, I, I'm the best. I'm the best at everything, you know, like I'm, I'm the best person to hold this job. I'm the smartest guy. I know everything there is to know. But, and most people are like, when they say, you know, you have ego problems, they're like, oh my God, I don't have ego problems. But ego is really also thinking you're worse than other people. It's just thinking that you're special. And that specialness is what makes us insecure because we forget that we really are the same thing talking to each other through different experiences, through different thoughts. <laughs> so the more you focus on what's different about you and what's wrong with you and trying to fix it all so that you can get back to that self you know you are, the farther away you get. And the more hopeless you get, because no matter how much you try to figure out why you are the way you are, and analyzing yourself in your life, it does not help. It's intellectually interesting. And you may get an insight, uh, uh, insight here or there about, about why you are the way you are, but really you don't find happiness analyzing that. Happiness is found in a different place. So the field has been focused on why people have such negative self-thoughts. And those thoughts, I might add, uh, is what I call my God thoughts because those thoughts come in and it seems like God speaking. This is God. You are a schmuck. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh my God. <laughs> but, or, or you're, you're stupid. You can't get this done. What's the matter with you? Why are you so stupid? And I was like, yeah, that's true. I am really stupid. I can't do this. You know, and it's like, you're talking to somebody else, right? It's like, you're having this conversation with somebody else, but those thoughts seem like they need to be attended to, that they need to be valued, that there's something there that's truthful. And people get so caught up analyzing those thoughts, looking at those thoughts, being run by those thoughts, that they forget that it's them thinking. Now, to me, that's a big joke, right? It's like when you realize that all that you're doing is you're thinking about your own thinking. So you think something and your little pea brain comes up with an interesting thought that there's something wrong with you or something better about you or something unique about you that separates you from others. That's really what causes the insecurity because we don't realize that we're really part of the same pure energy, pure love. So by focusing on that and trying to understand it and analyze it and try to manage it, you're actually creating more of it. Yeah, you know, I, I had a client not too long ago who uh, her biggest problem she felt was she that she had always had low self-esteem and that she talked about low self-esteem as though it was an illness, you know, like the flu. And, and she said, you know, I just had low self-esteem my whole life and nobody ever liked me and I don't like me and what's to like and I've never done anything. And she's going on and on about herself. And I said, you know, low self-esteem is the most painful form of self-absorption. And she said, oh, I'm not self-absorbed. I don't think well of myself at all. And I said, but you think about yourself all the time. 
that's self-absorption. It's like nothing else is happening. The world doesn't exist. All that exists is me trying to figure out who I am and why I am and what I'm doing. And the fact is that uh, you're a human being, you know, you're a spiritual being having the experience of living in a human body. And we're all doing that together that are here on earth at the same time. And that's it. And we make up the rest of it just we can entertain ourselves making up whatever we want to about ourselves and our lives and the world. But every moment of our life is defined by what's on our mind in that moment. So if I think about myself all the time, then I become very self-centered because the whole world seems to be about me. It seems like every waking moment, there's something about me that has to be fixed or attended to or whatever. And it's a shock to clients who think that, you know, that if if they have high self-esteem, they'll just think well of themselves all the time. But the thing is, when people have their natural you know, birthright of self-esteem, just I'm a human being, I'm fine. When people are in that state, uh, they honestly don't have to think about themselves. We just live. And uh, we live in a peaceful kind of present moment way in which we're participating in the grander scheme of all of life and doing what comes to us to do moment to moment. And you don't have to think about yourself at all because your wisdom will guide you through life. And that it seems to people like that would be, you know, if you if you left yourself alone, I don't know, sometimes I think there's a religious aspect to it for some people where they think that they'd sin if they weren't on top of themselves all the time or they would do something wrong if they weren't always self-monitoring. But uh, the fact is that we are naturally in our fine state of mind when we're at peace within ourselves we're naturally inclined to do good and to, you know, be responsive to life, not reactive to life. That's kind of the deal, isn't it? It's kind of like when you're in a good state of mind and you're happy, you forget about yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you forget about yourself, you are yourself. That's another one of those paradoxes. Yeah. It's like stop thinking about yourself in order to find yourself. Because when you're thinking about yourself, you're just in memory. And, you know, I don't know about you, but most of us live it, grow up in, with a lot of negativity around that we attach ourselves to, that mm-hmm. we pay attention to, that we focus on. And then that goes into the way that we think about ourselves. So if we make an error in how we think about ourselves, especially when we're young, that error then is like the, the foundation of our, the way that we think about ourselves gets off. So the, like, if you made the, built a building and you uh, made the foundation based on um, uh, plaster instead of cement, you know, it's yeah. like maybe build the building, but it would have lots of areas that would fall down and problems that would happen as a result of it. So like when I was a, a young girl, a little girl, actually, my mother had me when she was, like 40. And at the time, the Down syndrome studies had just come out. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was, she's five, five foot one, and my head came up to the middle of her thigh. So I was maybe three, four years old at the most. And she would introduce me as her mistake. She goes, oh, and this is my mistake. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm a mistake. And then from that point on, I went to town extrapolating on that. 
Like I didn't see that that was, she wasn't talking about me. She was talking about her. She was talking about her experience and that she shouldn't have gotten pregnant when she was that old. So my mom was really insecure about what other people thought. And so instead of like having them think that she doesn't know that she shouldn't have had me, she would introduce me as her mistake. But <laughs> I took that person, right? So I made a mistake in my thinking. And that bugger caused me to have the, this illusion of myself that there was something basically wrong with me, that my mom didn't love me, she didn't want me, I was stupid, I was unlovable, I was not good at anything. It was like all this stuff came out of that. But originally, it was my thought about that that created it. So when we're very young, we frequently think things about ourselves or our life that isn't accurate, but we don't know it. And so we then build on that. And it, so it gets to be like, feels like it's everything. Like it's, oh my gosh, it's kind of what we call damaged goods mentality. Mm -hmm. And just go through life thinking there's something basically wrong with you. But it's just what's, what's true is that you're going through life with some thinking that's wrong. But we think yeah. it's me that's wrong, right? It's that personal nature of it. Yeah, and it's funny because we always assume that we're having the same experience as other people. And this kind of reminded me, I was doing a group one time and somebody brought up a story similar to yours, some comment that her parent had made that made her decide when she was very young that she was worthless. And um, and she said, you know, so I've carried that with me my whole life because when my mother said that, uh, you know, I just, I took it to heart and I realized that, you know, she was saying something about me that was important for me to understand. And there was another person in the group who said, really, that's really odd. And she said, you know, my mom said something or other, and it was a similar type situation where the mother had made a comment to a friend and the, the, the young girl interpreted it originally as meaning something bad about her. And she said, and I got really upset that my mother would say that to her friend. And so when her friend left, I went up to her and I said, Mom, why did you say that about me? I can't believe that you would say that about your own daughter. And she said, oh, honey, it wasn't about you. It was about me. I was talking about I wasn't the mother I really thought I could be. And she said, it cleaned it right up. And and the other girl said, oh, my gosh, well, my mom's dead. I can't ask her now. <laughs> and they all laughed because they realized that the same situation seen through different eyes or with a person in a different state of mind is going to result in a different outcome. And sometimes we listen to other people talking and we get these ideas in our head, like hearing a teacher say, well, you're not, if you keep going the way you're going, you're never going to amount to anything. A lot of people have that experience. And for some people, it's motivational. They go, I'll show that person. And they come back, you know, they're the president of something. And they come back, you know, when the teacher's old and retired and say, see, you were wrong. And there are other people that just give up. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you see, it's not from the outside. It's what we make of life that creates our experience of it. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to get sucked into that, you know, buying the story that you think you're hearing other people tell or that you've made up about yourself as a result of things that you've picked up. And that's a misuse of thought. It's using your thinking against yourself instead of quieting down and looking for your common sense to say, wait a minute, why do I think that? 
you know, that doesn't make sense. Or maybe I should ask about it. Maybe that's not what they meant. Or who cares what they think, you know? It's like... We must be in a bad mood if they're thinking that. Right, right. So I think sometimes, you know, I mean, I, I see the humor in it now, not to say that I've never been prey to it before, but I see the humor in it now because I see how easy it is to take in other people's opinions and make them something about you instead of making it about the fact that they must really be having a bad day. (laughs) And I I was just going to say that's what happens in relationships. If you're married to somebody who's very insecure and gets very blaming of you, Mm -hmm. that you sit with somebody telling you this, like you're a piece of crap, you're stupid, nobody else will love you but me, you know, blah, blah, blah. If, if you take that in and then you start thinking that's true, you catch it. It's like a virus. Yeah. And, and so then that feels real to you. Yeah, it does. And I remember there, were, there was a, when I was, uh, I started a business while I was married and I'd get up every morning, get dressed to go to work and come down. And my husband used to say to me, is that what you're going to wear? And I always I mean, at that point in my life, I was pretty insecure and I was taking it to heart thinking, oh, there's something wrong with it. But then he would leave for work. And so I'd be, I'd go back upstairs and look in the mirror and take it off and look at it to see if it was torn or something was wrong. And I'd change my clothes sometimes and, and it would be in the back of my mind, you know, for hours. And one day I said to him, why do you always ask me that question? He said, I'm just curious about how you decide what you're going to wear. I said, well, you never stick around for the answer. And he said, yeah, I look at my watch and I have to leave for work. It was like no big deal to him. And he was just kind of in the habit of asking that question. And I took it personally for months. I thought he was hurting my feelings and trying to make me feel insecure and make me, you know, not want to go to work or not be ready or whatever. And really it was me. I was already insecure. So I interpreted everything I didn't understand through my own insecurity. And sometimes it's just that simple, just asking the question, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Well, it's also recognizing that everything that we think, especially about ourselves, I I would say, Mm -hmm. you got to be really like suspicious about whether that was true or not, whether it's coming from your health or not, whether it was, you know, something you made up as you were going along, like, one of the things that happened to me was my sisters and my, my mother are all five foot and five one, right? So uh-huh. I'm five five. And I literally grew up thinking I was tall. I was a tall person. Never. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, right, because you're tall and I, I'm not. But that the, I mean, the truth is, is that in my family, I was tall. So my mother would say, Christine, you get this, you're tall. Christine can get that, she's the tall one. And I honestly started thinking I was tall and never crossed my mind that I wasn't. So I go to college freshman year and I'm, they wanted to do the pictures for the dorm. So we were all getting in line. They said short ones in front. So I went to the back. I swear to God, I'm, there's a, with the dorm with all the jocks, right? And so these basketball players were like six, four. <laughs> what, what are you doing back here? And I said, well, they said the short ones get in front. They go, right, get in the front. <laughs> and it was this moment of insight, like, oh, oh, my God, I'm not tall. Yeah. 
And it was, I'll never forget that moment because it was, it was an insight. I saw that I thought about myself in a way that was totally wrong, yet Mm -hmm. I never saw it. So what was interesting is that uh, maybe a couple weeks later, I was barefoot talking to somebody and they said, you're short. I always thought you were tall. I said, yeah, I have a tall personality. You know, Chris, that reminds me, I don't know if you remember this. So we were shopping in Canada one time and you were trying on blazers and we were both trying on blazers and and you found this red one you really liked, but it was long on you and the sleeves were long. And I remember you're standing there going, I don't understand. It's my size, but the sleeves are too long and it's too long on me. And the salesperson said, well, why don't you try a petite? And I remember you being kind of offended like a petite. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm trying on, you know, I wasn't the same size as bigger, but I was trying on the blazers and the sleeves and the length were fine on me, but I'm like three inches taller than you. And so you tried on a petite and you fit and it fit perfectly and you didn't know whether to be offended or happy. I remember that. Oh, I, that. I forgot. I remember that incident, but I forgot yeah. you were moving. I yeah. remember what I thought when she said, have you ever tried a petite? Yeah. And I well, I may not be tall, but I'm certainly not petite. Right. That's what I my head, right? And it was like, it threw me like a glove. And I was like, oh, oh. God. Yeah. <laughs> I, tall. I thought that was a good thing being tall. It wasn't like it was one of those thoughts right. that I bad about. Yeah. So it's just interesting, the illusion that our thought creates in terms of how we think about ourselves, how we think about our life, how we think about everything. It's just like you're not stuck with it. Right. Well, I am stuck now being five foot four, but, um, you know, that's, I haven't figured out how to change that unless I put boots on and then I can be taller again. But, right. you know, the, the, most of the things that, that people struggle with or they say they have problems with are thoughts about themselves that are negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm not lovable or nobody wants me. And then we're living in our own thoughts and we attribute those thoughts to other people. Right. And so, so like they're thinking. The bottom line is we're making it up. And if we don't like the story that we're making up, all we got to do is make up a different one. That's right. And no matter what we make up, we can always change our minds. And it's so much freedom when you discover that. That's a power, the power not to get caught in your own illusion or to get trapped in your ego, your ideas about yourself, who you really are, because you're you're whoever you can dream to be. Uh, And if you don't like that one, make up another one. It's sort of like Halloween every day. (laughs) Yeah, just don't give it any energy. Don't give it. Right. It's not, it does not need, those thoughts do not need to be attended to. You don't exactly. have that. And whatever happened to you or whatever anybody said to you in your past, forget it. It's in the past. Yeah. It's not the truth. It wasn't the truth then. It was just somebody that had a negative perception in the moment or was insecure, yeah. in a bad mood or whatever. So right. let it go. Forget it. Be who right. you want. Right. So with that, I guess we should say that we're done for another week and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Just take good care of your self (laughs) not the self you make up but the real self that you are nurture your wisdom and your joy so farewell 
We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 